Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> Sorry, that was my crypt keeper. Uh, this is Tommy Teebs Pico. And this is Drea Washington. And we are Scream Queen, Queen, a podcast about scary movies. From people not typically depicted in scary movies. Now, Drea, you are a person I know who's well outfitted for horror in the sense that I have seen plenty accoutrement uh, in your house. Maybe one or two. I feel like I've seen maybe two Friday the 13th Jason masks. One of them glow in the dark. Uh, there's a Freddy Krueger stretch ball that you may or may not have boosted from a place we're not going to name. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to talk about some of your scary movie t-shirts. Can you enlighten our audience? Um, let's see. I recently acquired a couple of uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space t-shirts. Another shout out to Cavity Colors. Mm. Um, yeah, a shorty t-shirt. I got my Chucky t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I, I got, a, you know, well-stocked in those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I got my Nightmare on Elm Street, like, bootleg shirts. Love my bootleg Friday the 13th shirts. Um, you know, list goes on and on. Yeah. But yeah, but, yeah I stay. I stay. Yeah, in, in one of them. Because you know, you don't. As they say, we you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Uh huh. And exactly. you stay ready with those shirts. Oh yes, I do. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for recognizing. Yeah, I just wanted to let everyone know because like <laughs> sometimes you show up to recordings or whatever, and I'm just like, I want that shirt. <laughs> um, well, again with your pins and all kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not. You know, I I do love the scary, but I don't have. I just hate shopping. So <laughs> it's a problem. I don't have anything new. Hey. <laughs> You gotta, that got, uh, it was the interwebs for that. So you can, anytime you want. All right. Well, forward me the links. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll put some in the show notes. I don't know. (laughs) For today's episode, our scary movie outfit goes like this. Act one, we're going to pour one out, which is a uh, segment we're doing to talk about somebody who maybe died a little bit before their time. And today's pour one out is Kelly, who's Eva from Jason Takes Manhattan. Our act two main discussion is on The Faculty, my favorite horror movie offering from the late 90s. And we're going to finish you off on act three with our scream queen, Sanaa Lathan from Alien vs. Predator, which is Drea's favorite movie of all space and time. You need to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. All right, we've arrived at Act One. Act One, Act One. Pour one out for Kelly, who's Eva in Jason Takes Manhattan. I gotta say, this one is an an offering that's so. This is part eight, right? And for a, a an offering so late in the franchise, I thought there were a lot of people who maybe died a little bit before their time. There were a lot of underdeveloped characters, in, and not that necessarily they <laughs> these movies are known for their character development. But there were people that I was way curious about who di- who died way before their time. But anyway, so. In this iteration of Friday the 13th, the high school seniors from Crystal Lake get on a cruise ship bound to New York with an unlikely stowaway in the form of serial killer Jason Voorhees. 
murder and hijinks ensue. Um, Joya, you've seen this movie recently. What did you think of it? Uh, you know, it's as a fan of this franchise, this this one's a doozy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it never made any sense to me. This movie. Um, I only ever remember like parts of it. Like I'll only watch like the boat scene or I'll only watch once he gets to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it all together, it was weird. It's like I, I felt like I had never seen that movie before. Yeah, I, same. And it's because I think so. parts of it are so... Well, first of all, Jason somehow in this one ha- can just show up behind people. Like he just has teleportation just, powers. I mean, it was already obnoxious the fact that you could never outrun him. But now, like, you know, we'll get to it. But he's just popping up everywhere. Yeah. So I'm like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> and I remember my my cousins talking about like my cousins on the rest talking about this movie before I ever saw it, and they would reenact the scene where Jason hits that guy's that dude's head off on the roof. Uh-huh. He's like, "Take your best shot." So my cousins would say, "Take your best shot" to each other when we were play fighting, and I never got the reference until I was like 13, and I finally saw this movie, and I was like, "Oh, this is what they were talking about the whole time." And what a ridiculous scene that was. That was so somebody gets his head hit off by J- Jason uppercuts his head six ways from Sunday. <laughs> but he wears himself out and beats himself up technically trying to beat up Jason. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it goes on for like high school boxer. Uh-huh. Jason shows up on the roof and he's like, I'm going to take this guy out with my first of all, you've seen this person impale, kill, maim other people this mm-hmm. entire movie. And you think with your two fists, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to, you know, that's like that's patriarchy right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then I, I mean, I'll, I don't want to do it. But then I just I'm like bad writing. Why'd you do that to that character? You mm-hmm. didn't have to. Mm-hmm. But no, no one was off limits in this movie. That's true. Um, I feel like that. OK, so. The first person who was killed in this film was like a dead ringer for that hot dude from Stranger Things 2 and 3, <laughs> like the, the bully in the mullet. <laughs> and the first person killed on the cruise ship was this hard femme leather jacket, crimped up Joan Jett lesbian. I'm calling her a lesbian. They never gave her a sexuality because we never really saw anything, but I'm going to claim her for the community. <laughs> uh, by the name of J.J. Jarrett, who had a song on... We, first of all, I only got her name because of the credits. Like, we never, I don't think we actually got her name in the in the movie. She had a song, because she, was, a, she had, was playing guitar and all that kind of stuff. She had a song on the soundtrack. So mm. I think they were trying to set her up mm-hmm. for some kind of career. But the movie, it was like one of the lowest gr- grossing Friday the 13th of all space and time. Um, but anyways, on to Eva Watanabe. So... She was kind of this shy, mousy girl. She was a friend of the prom queen, best friend of the prom queen, which remember that um, a homegirl in Ready or Not who was like, she looks cute in a sort of last call at the bar kind of way. Uh, <laughs> no. But anyway, Sorry. so that's what I'm calling her last call at the bar prom queen. Yes. Because that's kind of the vibes that she was giving that me. Made, yeah, that sounds right. And this girl, uh, so Eva was at the school on a science scholarship um, vaguely. And I feel like in a different version of this movie, Eva could have been the final girl because she was like shy, mousy, overshadowed by her friend, kind of bullied into going further than she wanted to um, and was also smart. But because, you know, she's Asian American and because it's the 80s. She wasn't going to be the final girl. Oh, no. It, it was too soon for that. Yeah. They, people weren't ready. She had these 80s Aquanet bangs, you know, you to heaven and her gem in the holograms makeup. I was just like, yeah, I was living for her, her being a product of her time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we were ready, but a lot of people weren't. And unfortunately, Eva's worst horror movie crime was that she didn't want to commit blackmail on one of her professors. 
I think maybe it was the principal or something like that. Because, like, you know, last call at the bar prom queen was like, we're going to get this dude. And she was like, I don't want to do that. And she wandered off to explore the boat on her own. And as you know, isolation in these movies is not a good look. Oh, no. No. Because if you're be alone, your you're getting picked off. <laughs> um, and so I was thinking that last call prom queen she got her face bashed in the mirror because Jason doesn't kill in elegant ways. You and know what I mean? yo, I, <laughs> when he punches through the door and she goes head first to that, that uh, mirror, that was brutal. That was brutal. It was, uh, it was, I laughed, um, I, more than I should because it was just like, wow, that was really aggressive. Yeah, that was, I, again, not elegant. <laughs> not at all. Um, but, she, they let her be cute all the way up into that point and then your girl <laughs> just like a sack of potatoes just <laughs> flung herself into that mirror so like Eva discovers you know last call prom queen screams starts her chase scene winds up so first of all where did everybody in the boat go literally like there was it was full of high school seniors and then all of a sudden it was nobody in the boat ever <laughs> so like she's running 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 screaming 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 busts onto opens this, she busts onto the dance floor so she's in this like ostentatious like fog machine lights dance floor all alone again turning 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 jason is like right behind her you know what i mean he just teleports yeah behind he's her. in front of her he's on the side of her and then he's behind her yeah and i'm like this that's not how jason works i'm like so they gave this full extra powers like mm-hmm. he didn't need any unexplained yeah unexplained none of it makes sense um and then she so you tell me chick from surf ninjas right also played lady deathstrike in x2 so this is a person who can kick butt mm-hmm. right she's just like waits around to get strangled. Yeah. And that's how she goes out. Yeah. Um, this also happened to be the first time in the series that somebody died by strangulation, apparently, which is what I found in the... Um, it wasn't, like, as brutal other than, like, him tossing her on the ground. Yeah, she she also got dropped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I got to pour one out for. Um, I also just want to say that Jason is very tall. <laughs> so, Kelly Who, you're our pour one out this week. Thank you so much. All right, we've arrived at act two of our scary movie. And this week, we're going to talk about The Faculty, the 1998 sci-fi horror classic. Drea, do you remember The Faculty? Oh, yeah. What did you think about The Faculty? I thought it was I at the time. Okay. Recently, I... um I have a new like it's like a nostalgic thing. So okay. it was I appreciated it more as as an adult. Okay, okay, okay. Anything you connected with, didn't connect with, were you um uh, attracted to anybody? Like, I don't know, a one Josh Hartnett, a fully stock snack machine, oh. who it turns out is six three, and I was like, Why do I like this guy so much? And it's like, Yeah, no, he's like um the drug dealing bad boy, drives around in a Mustang and he's six freaking three and feet Tommy tall. just to point it out there he he's a, a height whisperer so he just <laughs> assumed he was six three and it turned out he actually was oh yes I looked that up on the on my iPad pro and I turned it around and sure enough he was six foot three <laughs> there was somebody oh Steven Dorf I was like he looks like he's carrying five eight energy looks it up yep five eight <laughs> don't get it twisted I'm the height whisperer anyway back to the faculty so let me tell you a little bit about this plot um just imagine you're in this high school in rural Ohio, Harrington High. It's run down. You know, it's past its heyday. The textbooks are probably out of print. Nobody, none of your teachers care. They're all alcoholics or whatever, like past their prime. And it's it's just um, decrepit, let's say. And uh, via the tagline, the students of Harrington High have always felt that their teachers were from another planet. It turns out they are. So 
this alien invasion, this alien from like a water world, basically, uh, decides to take over, I guess, the United States by taking over Harrington High in the middle of nowhere first, starting with the eponymous faculty. Um, And it's been described as a sort of John Hughes meets invasion of the body snatchers. You know, you've got the nerd, the goth girl, the cheerleader, the football player, the bad boy, the new girl. And, uh, you know, it's written by Kevin Williamson, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Kevin Williamson, of course, from Scream and Scream 2. Robert Rodriguez from classic one of my all-time faves dusk till dawn desperado and stuff like that and um i think the thing is kevin williamson was supposed to direct it but he ended up directing teaching mrs tingle Mm. at the time did you see that one yeah yeah with katie holmes katie holmes and i don't know yeah some other is it the was it the elder brother from like seventh heaven or something something like that yeah um, and the thing is, it was initially called Killing Mrs. Tingle, but I think after Columbine, they had to change the title to Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Good um, job. <laughs> and the faculty, it was like, it was definitely my favorite of that sort of late 90s um, resurgence of slasher horror type stuff. Um, I like, you know, in addition to really wanting Josh Harnett to be my boyfriend, <laughs> um, I was also really into Garbage, the band at the time, and Garbage had a song on the soundtrack. Um, when I Grow Up, I believe it was what it was called. Uh, and it uh, played while Josh Hartnett was kissing the new girl in the science classroom or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> I want to be the new girl so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, and I, you know, I, I feel like, okay, so let me give you a little bit of backstory on, about me via this film. Okay. It came out, in 98 christmas time 98 which was the my first year of college uh, college not that old my first year of high school thank you yes yes the doll has no wrinkles um (laughs) and uh as an entree to it was like a movie about high school it was my first year of high school so i kind of felt like um i was experiencing this sort of strange new world through the eyes of the faculty a little bit um but it was like fun and sexy and more subversive. And it was like a group of outcasts who are fighting the entire school. Um, and, you know, I was super into X-Men and shit back in the day. So I was like really into team stuff. That's why I like Demon Knight. Because it was this like boarding house full of people who were trying to fight the, de- the undead or whatever. Um, but in that it was in that particular moment that a lot of things really changed for me as an adolescent, as they happen to adolescents anyway, as they happen to teens. But for me, it wasn't just hormones and it wasn't just like a gross bird. It wasn't just the fact that I was pimply and all of a sudden I had clear skin or I had like, I was a, I was a thicker kid and you know, I had glasses and braces, all that kind of stuff. And also just being a young faggot, like I'm not, I wasn't gay. I was a fag. You know what I mean? Like, I was a fiery. You know what I mean? Like, people always ask me, like, oh, when did you, well, you know, on bad dates, people are like, oh, so when did you come out of the closet? And it's like, you know what? I never really did because uh, everyone already assumed. They mm-hmm. already knew. Came out the womb like that. Yes. They. The thing is, I remember one, one time one of my aunties telling my mom, like, uh, I think Tommy might have an identity crisis. <laughs> and she was like, and I told you, Jeannie, don't play. And she was just like, do not talk about my son like that. Mm-hmm. If you talk about him, talk about him behind my back because if I catch you talking about him to my face i will beat you down Ooh, and genie would do that genie okay. would do that yes 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 uh she's kind of butch you know what I mean? like my my mother like going to home depot my dad like mademoiselle i mean my <laughs> parents were gay <laughs> i don't know if 
they would ever admit it, but they were gay. <laughs> common law partners. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there was something that they loved about each other and that they each wanted to be the other. Anyway, I'm getting yes. a little bit too much into my family business. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so the thing is, I'm from a res, obviously. And right outside, oftentimes, like the borderlands of reservations tend to be where like the most racist people are. And um outside of my reservation there was you know this is east county san diego mm-hmm. you know what east county is oh, like yeah. clanty. clanty exactly so it's like it's not a good it's me and dre are both from san diego or outside of san diego um and excuse me that was a little burpy burp <clears throat> and it's not you know a hospitable place for queer people people of color it's not a hospitable place in general mm-hmm. but you know there was just a lot of you know white supremacist elements there and unfortunately we had to take the same bus to school because we were a little bit remote um tensions had been sort of ri- raising all year and you know my cousin rainbow was kind of getting in a fight with one of the girls he, my my cousin certainly getting a fight with somebody else so it was like there was like it was br- a conflict was brewing and what happened was one day on the way home my cousins and the white supremacist kids got in a gigantic brawl on the bus, uh, which I didn't really take part in because, again, like, I'm just a little, I was like, hey, guys, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, I was just a little limp a little fair, but whatever. No no shade on young teams, but I was not a fighter. I was a lover. <laughs> and my cousins ended up getting expelled all the white supremacist kids got expelled too but suddenly I was literally an Indian without a tribe you know what I mean like my cousins weren't there I didn't have any friends and they're they were tough you know and they were fighters and they kept me good and they insulated me from a lot of the homophobia in high school that I would have otherwise been subject to so without their protection I was all of a sudden you know um People were threatening me all the time. People were throwing me against like, um, you know, uh, 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 Coke machines and vending machines and shit like that. Telling me I would kick my ass. There were like certain uh, hallways of the school that I couldn't go down. And I started becoming friends with the goth girls, the riot girls. That's how we know my friend Becky, which is how Dre and I know each other. Um, and just like the weird kids and anybody who listened to anything from Smashing Pumpkins to Marilyn Manson to Hole or whatever. Like it was at that time, you know, it was like we all formed one mass of weird people. And my friend, my best friend at the time, who was the one who introduced me to Riot Girls, she introduced me to, you know, Huggy Bear and Slater Kinney and shit like that. Um, one of her cousins was an extra on the faculty. And that's why I saw the movie in the first place, because we were like spot her cousin in like the stills or in like the in the background and stuff like that. And so it became a really big part of my adolescence. It became a really big part of my high school experience. And it became a really big part of how I saw myself in relation to the other kids in high school, because this was like, you know, Zeke and Stokely and uh Delilah at that point and um, Mary Beth and the other dude, uh, uh, Stan, like they all were like these out, they they banded together because they were outcasts, you know? Um, Casey. Casey, yeah. And they the subtext of them being outcasts became the text of we have to fight this alien invasion. And it did sort of feel like I was fighting an alien invasion every single day because it was a lot of people who wanted to see me destroyed mm-hmm. and I had to keep my head up that whole time. Yeah. And I think as marginalized people, that's oftentimes our experience in high school and in yeah. adolescence and in throughout life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it became kind of like, a, you know, I would watch, I watched it probably 1,700 million times while I was in high school and it almost became like a 
like a talisman or something or like a like a like a safety blanket or something i mm-hmm. i suddenly when i was watching it i didn't feel conflicted i felt safe i felt taken care of you know i felt held and i just went to sleep dreaming of josh hart and it's six three fucking bodies <laughs> And that terrible haircut. <laughs> and that terrible haircut. <laughs> um, so let me, I'm going to ask you uh, a question before getting into some factoids about the faculty. Um, what group would you have fit into in high school? I mean, I was I was a floater, so I was all over the place. I, I actively tried to be a loner, actively. And people were always just trying to be my friend. And people didn't understand what that was. Like, you want? what do you mean you don't want friends? I'm like... I'm cool. <laughs> Just leave me the fuck alone. So you would say the other kids were obsessed with you like a Mariah Carey Absolutely. song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's notable that like, you know, this small town Ohio. So obviously there's not many people of color in this film. One of them, Usher, because around this time, Usher was like spending five minutes on like almost every single late 90s movie. You know, yeah. she's all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, there was another woman. There was a woman of color who was in the film who played a role called venus her name was venus she was supposed to be usher's girlfriend usher was like a football player she was supposed to be his girlfriend played by kadada jones sister of rashida jones and the girlfriend of tupac Mm -hmm. uh fun fact but all of her scenes were cut in the film but she still features prominently in the uh tommy hilfiger ads because tommy hilfiger uh not he, there was um, a tie-in between him and the faculty, so they ran ads. It was like faculty, Tommy Hilfiger, etc. But he also outfitted all the people. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news: ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's Amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In the, in the film. So they're all wearing Tommy Hilfiger in the movie. The thing is, the, a part of the reason why is that with the success of Scream in 96 and Scream 2 in 97, the studio gave them a huge budget. Like they gave them a lot of money and there was like riding this wave of like this new um, invention or interve- intervention, innovation rather in horror that is late late 90s. You know, people was like really getting into it. I still know, I know you did last summer was in there. Uh, disturbing behavior was in there. And um, it looked like it was being set up to be this major success. It came out on christmas day in 98 which had worked for scream it had worked for scream 2 um like i said they had this whole tying with tommy hilfiger they had this big special effects budget and it kind of flopped mm-hmm. which really surprised me um because like you know it came from screenwriter kevin williams uh director robert rodriguez there was this whole mini movie in the the in the in the beginning of the film which is like bb newworth being chased around you know in typical sort of robert rodriguez fashion did it get lost in the mix? Uh, was this when like Miramax was shifting? Uh, like Miramax separated, and then Harvey Weinstein that like that split happened around that time. Maybe, maybe that's why. Because I mean, there's no reason this film should have failed. Uh, you know, when you think about it. Really, I mean, it had the advertisement. It had, it had stars. It was giving you Salma Hayek. It was giving you Farmke Jansen. It was giving you Usher. It, it was everything. giving you Elijah Wood. So, yeah, you said yeah. All all of that. And all these people like goofy Piper ass Lord, John Stewart. Goofy ass John Stewart in this movie <laughs> as a science teacher who gets his fingers cut off and then a pen stabbed in his eye. Is, <laughs> he, this movie is giving you everything. It's giving you John Stewart. It's giving you aliens. It's the, giving you the, parasites. The Terminator dude. 
whatever. Robert Patrick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about him because I feel like he's in any given role he's walking into, he's always going to be T2. You know what I mean? He's always, always. going to be the you, Terminator. We'll only ever see him as that. So, like, in the beginning, B.B. Newworth plays the principal of this high school, mm-hmm. and she's breaking down the budget to the rest of the faculty, telling them they can't get anything because all the money is going to the football team. Because this is, like, small-town America, football is everything. Fun fact, this was um, filmed at the same time that um, Friday Night Lights, the movie, was being filmed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. going to say in Texas. Like some Friday Night Lights. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, commentary. And uh, as they're getting ready, packing up, Robert Patrick who has been at this point taken over, he's had the parasite put inside of him, so he's one of the pod people, um, chases her all throughout the um, high school. And she puts on a, a... She puts up a fight. A huge fight. But there's a scene where he's running towards the end, and it just looks just like the Terminator. Mm-hmm. They did that on purpose. Yeah. I mean, it was an homage, shall we say. Sure. Um, but the th- one of the thing is, like, the, the first moment of violence in this film was when he puts, a, he stabs a pencil through B.B. Newer's hands. Yeah. And that shit is gross to me. I uh, mean, yeah. He looks her in the eye, tells her she's, she's beautiful, and, it, and then he stabs a pencil through her hand. Oh, but it's like, a lot. of all injuries that happen, see, this happened in um, Scream 5. And it happened in uh, that spy movie with Melissa McCarthy. Anytime somebody get oh, and get out, it happens too. What's Anytime Scream Five? Scream. F- oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. No, I'm Dre <laughs> likes to play like Scream Five doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, or Scream Four. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I was okay. Like, yeah. There's no. Okay. Anyway. Isn't that anyway? Yeah. So Scream Four, right? Anytime somebody gets anything in the hand, like a pencil, a thing, a knife, it that weirds me out for whatever reason. Among I, I don't the, like close-up stabbing shit. That, no. that freaks me out too. Among the types of body injuries people can have in these flicks, the thing through the hand, the knife through the hand, I, in Get Out, I think it was like a letter opener that um, Homegirl put through. What's his name's hand? It's just like that is. I have to look away. Yeah. It's like, there are not many things that, well, actually, no, most things I have to look away from. As we know, yeah, I'm a jumpy what bitch. You, what are yeah, you yeah. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the soundtrack. Let's talk about the sound. Very late 90s soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Tommy's favorite soundtrack. Uh, early appearance of Creed. Yeah. Creed. Uh, Offspring. <laughs> Soul Asylum. Um, like I said, Garbage. Um, Oasis was on this. And then like, Alice in Chains and a few other people um, got together to make this super band Class of 98 or Class of 99. And they redid the, they did the remake of um, Another Brick in the Wall. Okay. For this soundtrack. It was I the thought, only I song. I thought I heard Homeboy's voice. Lane, yeah. Lane Staley. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, Oh, okay. That was just a few years before he died. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it set the tone. I'm not even going to be, I'm not even mad about it. Even the the Creed song, I was like, oh, <laughs> they don't just do uh, whatever that shit is they did, hire your jam. Right. Shut up. Nobody <laughs> said that. Nobody's saying that's my jam, but I will say that I can kill that shit at karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> when arms wide open. Oh. Yeah, no, it's kind of, I mean, that's just a comment on my voice, though. That's not a comment on the song because I'm very <laughs> hashtag versatile. That was your meatloaf impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me give you, let me give you some um, some tidbits or some some factoids about this movie. So remember when this is a moment that so Dre and I watched this movie together a couple days ago in the very beginning Mary Beth asked somebody where's the principal's office and it's that like burnout uh, like I, my my memory she was just like um, like a stone faced chola the but when I watched the... it again yeah she had a, a, a nose piercing and um, a flame tattoo to, yeah and <laughs> 
That is Robert Rodriguez's sister. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that shit's so funny. Um, also, uh, Chari- that, so that's his sister, Tina. Charisma Carpenter of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame. Mm-hmm. Um, Cordelia. Cordelia. She turned down the role of Delilah because she thought it was too similar to her role on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, true. But I mean, I would have. Whatever. Been, I mean, yeah. I mean, I would have enjoyed seeing her in that role, though. Yeah. I mean, you. That's you. 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 Like, get away from it. Like, who cares if you're being typecast? Like, get over it. Is what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like you just embrace that shit. You could have played a character and got a bigger check in a, in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, what's she doing now? Uh, she well, she had a show on ID, and that it was because she was like assaulted or something. So she she hosts like a show on on the True Crime Network about like women oh, getting assaulted shit. and stuff like that yeah i remember that because she's from san diego i think so yeah and it happened on the beach like her and her friend and some other people okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So that's uh what she's been up to all right charisma <laughs> <laughs> um and jillian anderson so uh, piper laurie plays the role of mrs drake she's the one in the very beginning who stabs bb newworth yeah, yeah, yeah. bb newworth got a bum rap in this movie it's fucked up she got she got a pencil in the hand she got um scissors in the chest she fought her ass off Got made it through, and you know, and then homegirl just yeah with them them big ass scissors just yeah. fucks her up, fucks her up, and then and then your homegirl gets at the end just to prove what's going on. She gets shot in the fucking head, and then yep, BB Newworth gets shot in the head. Okay, so the 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 thing is, so so Stokely is the sort of Randy and Scream character in this. She's like trying to explain the world yeah. of sci-fi horror, yeah. and she's like, well, you know, if we're all getting uh, uh, taken over by some pod people and some parasites and some bullshit, some aliens or whatever, if you kill the queen, theoretically, it all, w- everyone will turn normal again. And so they figure the queen is the principal, B.B. Yeah. Newirth. Yeah. And so they go to, like, try to find her. They go to a football game. They kind of lure her out and then, like, corner her, drape her in um, a, a volleyball net, trap her in a volleyball net, and then tell her that she has to snort these drugs. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, because um, Zeke pedal Zeke is the Josh Hartnett character. It's six foot three. God. <laughs> he makes meth in the school. Yeah, he made a thing called, <laughs> he calls it... Uh, scat <laughs> and it's uh mostly some caffeine pills and some other homemade shit and um they find out that this is a diuretic right that it dries them out very very quickly and these these aliens or whatever that are taking over the school they're um from a water world so they have to keep drinking water they have to keep being underwater and um in order to prove that you're not an alien you have to do these drugs which is a stark contrast to uh, popular lore of scary movies in the 80s, which mm-hmm. was if you did drugs You're and you had sex, you die. You a monster or right. whatever. Yeah. And in this movie, unless you do drugs, you die. Like, it's like the opposite, which yeah. I, in my mind was kind of a response to like the early 90s dare mm-hmm. culture. Remember, yeah, like, the, the dare war on to keep drugs and all drugs. that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think this was like a sly wink to like Absolutely. anti that. Um, but uh, so they try, so the, oh yeah, so they, they capture BB Newworth. They're like, we're going to get this queen. Uh, I mean, she's the queen to me, but they thought she was the queen of the aliens. And um, they're like, do this drug. And she's like, no, do the drug. No. And then they shoot her in the head. Yeah. They shoot her in the forehead. And then homegirl. And then she, but she lives because she's an alien. She has all these things crawling out the hole in her head. And then Mary Beth, new girl, takes all the rest of the, takes all the rest of the drugs and throws them in BB New Faith. BB New dies. And she ain't the queen. Mm-hmm. She's literally the only person in the whole movie who actually dies. Mm-hmm. She is a long-suffering character. She was the only one who was like worth a damn, pretty yeah. much, as far as like the adults and that. And that, like everybody else, was pretty much useless. Yeah. So anyway, long story short. Uh, so Mrs. Drake, the 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 person who stabbed her, 
who was played by Piper Laurie, that role was offered to Gillian Anderson. Okay. Yeah, Gillian Anderson promptly turned it down. Yeah. But I think, you know, because it was like, X-Files was happening then, they were like, we want you to be on this, like, goofy show, and she was like, uh, no. or this goofy movie, and she was like, I don't No, that's a step is. down. Yeah. I'm on a legit sci-fi show. Are you going to have me pop over here? Like, nah, no. I'm Scully. She, she's like, I'm Scully, bitch. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, like, drama teacher in a weird movie directed by Robert Rodriguez. I'm Mm-mm. Scully, Mm-mm. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um. I want to conclude with this point um, made by a writer at the AV Club named Alex McLevy. Um, he wrote this article last year, which was the 20th anniversary of, of the faculty coming out. And the article was titled, and this is a way to get to me, but the article was how the faculty is the bleakest and most subversive film of the 90s studio teen horror cycle. Um, he said that Rodriguez and Williamson slyly undercut the overt message of the narrative by implying that these people are not our heroes and that even an alien invasion can't wake people up from their boorish, nihilistic behavior. That's a lot of words. But basically what this man was saying that... um, the main reading, so this film ends, they get the alien queen who turns out to, spoiler alert, turns out to be, like this is 21 years later, turns out to be the new girl, Mary Beth. Um, they get to her, everyone returns to normal, and the ending picks up a month later, and Zeke, who was the bad boy, is now on the football team. Clea Duvall, which, they did Clea Duvall wrong in this movie, I'm sorry, because uh, 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 they implied that she was the ugly duckling, and I find Clea Duvall fairly tra- very attractive. Absolutely. Anyway, so then she renounces her goth girl ways, she's wearing fucking lavender sweater set oh, and shit. God, it was disgusting. So terrible. And uh, the, uh, Steve, the, 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 um, the jock ends up being, uh, you know, an academic and, um, Delilah, the head cheerleader, is now dating Elijah Wood, who was the goofy <laughs> like that's nerd believable. kid. Yeah, that's, so it's like, and the 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 popular reading of the ending of this film is that it was a swing and a miss because mm-hmm. um, all of the outcasts seemingly conform in the end. Yep. And so the message is that the ultimate um, redeeming factor of the fight is that they conform or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that that was a, that was a miss. Yeah. That's a, com- it's conflicting. Yeah. Um, but the writer of this article, um, Alex McLevy, he writes that it's not showing how trials and tribulations can help misguided kids come to their senses and join the system. It's saying there is no outside the system to begin with. The entire structure of school and the kids within it, according to this interpretation, is destined to repeat over and over the same cliques, the same prejudices, cruelties, and impersonal forces of pain that mistreated our protagonists so badly in the first place. These characters can't see beyond themselves far enough to realize that the world hasn't improved, that they're just occupying different places in it. And the, uh, and then the, the premise of that is that, like, you know, after um, Casey is like, things sure have changed, haven't they? The next thing we see is somebody, some other nerd getting rammed into the flagpole, just like he was in the opening scene. And and so I think it's important to keep in mind that, that that this starts and it ends with a nerd getting rammed into a flagpole. It's just a different person. And it is true, I think, that like there is no outside the system. And I think particularly for people in the middle of like white kids in the middle of Ohio in this mostly all white high school, there is no if you're not going to contend with capitalism, if you're not going to contend with patriarchy, if you're not going to contend with the history of this country as being founded um on indigenous genocide and black slavery, yeah, you're not going to find outside. There's no outside the system for you. I'm sorry. 
And, and it's a wrap. And that's that. <laughs> Act three, everybody. Act three. Our scream queen this week is alleged Beyonce biter Sanaa Lathan, <laughs> <laughs> who appeared in the movie Alien vs. Predator, which Drea loves to death. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um... She's like in the movie itself. Um, she's pretty much the first person that we see. Um, she's definitely she's a highly sought after badass of like I don't know ice spelunking or shit. Like I'm not quite sure what she actually does. She's like, meant to lead. So the Whalen Corporation, who's like this evil c- corporation in the Alien movies, hires her to lead a team of you know crack scientists to go to the Arctic because they've detected a heat signature under the ice and they want to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be a pyramid that's like got Mayan and Egyptian similarities. So again, people are just obsessed with indigeneity. I don't know what this is. <laughs> and um, we learn actually that the pyramid is an ancient like nursery for aliens. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, every hundred years or something like that, the predators come to hunt them down. And uh-huh. our group of plucky heroes gets caught in the middle. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> um, and it's like, I mean, it's not a great movie. It's not even a good movie. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it isn't. It's and trash. It's exactly. It's it's every. I mean, I, I, I'm not up on the Predator movie, so I'm not sure its similarities to the other. The only one I saw was the one with uh, Adrian Brody, because, again, that's the nose I want to rearrange my guts. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, but I, I am quite familiar with the Alien movies, mm-hmm. and it's the same exact thing. They get into the room. Those things open. The face huggers come out. They don't know what's going on. It rips out of somebody. It terrorizes that. It's just so formulaic. This is exactly what all of the other ones do. Um. Okay, so if, you know, if you're dedicated fan to to these monsters these villains whatever i i'm a i'm more partial to predator always have been oh, okay predator 2 is one of my favorite films love that movie so much um but one of the you know some, one of the scariest franchises is definitely the aliens franchise i mean opinion. alien the first movie is alien and aliens yeah. are terrifying and they're, they're and they're wonderful yeah. you know um uh i would definitely say that this movie Although it was hot trash, like hot steam and pile of trash, mm-hmm. it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it, and people want to see that fight, the alien-predator fight. It's just fucking fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm not it like... It looked great, too. I it thought, looked, it yeah, looked fantastic. Yeah. No, the, the stunts in it were good. Were, whoever was playing the Predators, they were doing it. They were killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, doing capoeira and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come through, capoeira. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I... I don't like seeing the predators get fucked up. I, I'm a definitely I'm, I'm team predator, mm-hmm. and so you know as dumb as shit as it was that her and Sanaa and homeboy they just were like Let's, we're we're buddies now. I guess like, like Sanaa one of us, like the last one of us. yeah the last like predator they're like then all of a sudden becomes like a romantic comedy in space or some shit. <laughs> She's like you ain't going anywhere without me. I'm like bitch who are you talking? Who to? Who are you talking to? <laughs> you were scared out of your brain five minutes ago from this man or this thing. <laughs> um, the thing is like she I, so the movie is helmed by a black woman. Yes, right. And gotta celebrate that. And she is of the people in this expedition, the smartest one. Yes. She's the one who wants to make the best decisions. I yes. mean, she sets it up as canon, like as horror movie canon, where she's just like, when you're on 
um, when, if I'm leading this mission, I've got three rules. She's like, no one goes anywhere alone ever. Great advice for a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone may, must maintain constant communication. Great advice for mm-hmm. a scary movie. And unexpected things are going to happen when they do. No one try to be a hero. Uh-huh. You know, I felt like as a guidepost to getting through a scary film, listen to her. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, there's no movie. So people are you got to let people be fucking stupid and let them do their thing. I also thought there was maybe a little bit of anti-colonial sentiment. And listen, listen, Mm -hmm. when she's like Antarctica is the one place left in the world that nobody owns. It's completely free. And I was like, hmm. Mm. So this movie about a black woman or helmed by a black woman. It's like it's set in motion by this evil corporation. Right. And then um, then we there was like indigenous element to it. So we got some like pyramids and stuff. Right. And then um, then this idea of ownership is basically turned on in on itself and like murdered. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying that's how I'm they're trying the to do a whole lot. I'm not there. saying that's how I'm connecting the dots. I think but that's how did. I connect the dots. <laughs> I think you just did. And she is spoiler alert all we do is spoil on the show get used to it but she's the last human left alive in this expedition and because she fought so well the predator um takes the alien tail with the acid on it and puts like basically like predator emoji on her face and is like <laughs> oh you he's like you know you can come to the cookout you know what i mean like you're one of the people now yeah. so she like ends up becoming one of his tribe like one of his predators or whatever mm-hmm. and so that's why sanale think it's my scream queen for the week all right <laughs> you don't sound convinced. No, I I'll give it I I'll, I'll give it up. Okay. I rewatched it. It it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just wish they'd given her more to work with. Yeah. And she was great. It was just the, the movie around Her hair it. stayed good, too. Like, stayed, her hair stayed great. Stayed nice. I mean, it was like but, yeah, <laughs> going was, through all kind of uh, tunnels and falling through, like, slats in the ground and pyramids and shit. And it's just like, still yeah. late. <laughs> she, yeah, she just deserved a better script. But that character, you can't deny it. So, yeah, she... She gets my Scream Queen vote as well. Okay. I'm glad that I was able to convince you this week, Trey. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Scream Queen is produced by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound. Theme music by Doc Allison. I'm Hey Girl Hey at H-E-Y-G-R-L-H-E-Y on Instagram. Or you can find us at Scream Queen Podcast on Instagram. I'm Tommy Teebs. Pico, you can find me at HeyTeebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S. And you can also find us online at ScreamQueenPodcast.com. In the scary movie of your life, you better Scream Queen! Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.